welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host and joining me on the show today, we have an author of a number of historical fictions set mainly in Scotland, Barbara Henderson, welcome to the show. Hi, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's very exciting. Uh, I do like meeting new authors. And as you are a new author to the show, first time here at the book club, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you, like how you became an author, just a little snippet of your journey to where you are now. Absolutely. So I live in Scotland. I live in Inverness in the Highlands, uh, very near Loch Ness. And uh, I am a drama teacher and my background is also in English teaching. So I was always around young people and uh, I always worked with stories with them. So I suppose it wasn't that big a jump really for me to go, oh, I'd love to be part of that myself and uh, to come up with some stories myself for young people. But to be fair, it actually went back to uh, all the way when I was a child myself I had a bit of a a horrible accident when I was younger and I had to be you know bed bound for weeks four operations later and uh, actually it was wonderful then to just be able to lose myself in stories and to let stories take me to other places when I didn't want to think about where I was at the time and uh, you know I think there is real magic in that and I absolutely uh, loved books and stories from that time and that never waned at all so um, you know that sort of secret hope, secret dream of becoming an author one day was there ever since I was a child. But it probably took me until I was in my 30s and I was well established in teaching and had my own family that I thought, right, you know, if I never do anything about this, then it'll never happen and it'll be my fault. So how about I set myself a New Year's challenge and just say my New Year's resolution is that I'm going to write a children's book. And I did, and it is terrible, and I'm very glad, but it never found its way out into the world. But I suppose after that one, there came another and another, and eventually I was taken on to be published uh, with my debut, which was Fur for Luck, a Highland Clearances story and um, a historical adventure based on some real events in Scotland in 1842. And uh, I wrote lots of historical books after that, uh, but also an eco-thriller called Wilderness Wars, which, uh, you know, those, those are my published books. So my publisher is quite small, but they're great. And it's uh, it's really wonderful to be working with them. So my latest project for them has been The Chessman Thief, which is a Viking story set in Scotland at the very end of the Viking Age. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, there's quite a lot of stuff there. And I actually want to focus on uh, the sort of the narrative that I sort of picked out when I was sort of, I, I read Chessman Thief. And then of course, when I have new people on the show, I like to get to know you a bit. So I do a bit of skullduggery behind the scenes. There's quite a strong theme on that historical front. It's very passionately embedded in Scotland. Is there, uh, is that something that's driven you constantly forward? Is that you want to get more Scottish narratives out there to people? There is an element of that. It's interesting because I wasn't born in Scotland. I grew up in Germany. And, uh, you know, actually, I came to Scotland as a teenager. And maybe uh, there is an element to which I feel a bit of an imposter, you know, sort of claiming this history for myself isn't really my history. But, um, you know, I live here and I felt, you know, particularly with Victorian books, for example, you know, they're all set in London, really. You're, you're very hard pushed to find anything Victorian that isn't set, uh, you know, 
in, in southeast England, really. Um, so, you know, I found a Welsh one, but I thought, gosh, I can't think of a single Scottish one. And I've lived here now for 30 years. You know, why isn't there one? You know, could I write one? And uh, so often these kind of thoughts come into it. And because I'm working in Scottish schools, I suppose I'm aware of what people in, in Scottish schools need as well. And often, you know, they are looking for stories that are also set where they live, you know, and, and there should be that parity, I think. We should be looking at having and reading stories that are set anywhere and not just in the places where we grew up from, you know. Yes, I completely agree. You do the amount of, I think, I think there's some sort of Oliver Twistness to it. Whenever you think Victorian, somehow it's in smoggy London streets and stuff. But yeah, I love that you you sort of brought it out. And so that first one, Fur for Luck, uh, then you did have, uh, you'd punch uh, Blackwater and then the Siege of Calaverock. I hope I've said that right. Get my, try and get my Gaelic on. Um, all very much sort of based on that Scottish one. I do want to like point pinpoint that one, which was quite interesting, the Wilderness War, which has got that, yeah, that eco vibe to it i wonder where that sort of came from because when you sort of look sometimes you see someone who does historical fiction that's their bread and butter they're really good at doing that and it's just a bit of a curveball to see that so i wondered what sort of that was what creative space you were in to sort of create the wilderness war um actually the wilderness war is by somebody else um my book's called wilderness wars and actually my book was published by the time i realized there was another book called the wilderness war which was a bit of a, a nightmare um so i actually think that came out just before mine it's a different story altogether um but wilderness wars was inspired by a trip to the hebrides and uh, a very beautiful uninhabited island and uh, it was also inspired by donald trump who at the time was uh, trying to build a luxury resort and golf course in a separate part of scotland and wanted to basically bulldoze over a, a really protected landscape and uh, at the time also i was a volunteer for the rspb and um you know was helping run their little youth group to engage young people with nature so I suppose all of those three things um you know play together to create the scenario of what if nature fights back uh, what if somebody wanted to build a luxury development on this beautiful uninhabited island and what if you know nature as a whole force you know would just say no and um you know of course that can result in in some pretty dangerous situations which always makes for excellent children's books um and uh yeah so it came from there but to be fair I, I I sort of slid into historical novels because I was interested in them I'm much more of a big picture kind of person not meticulous by nature not really the research type so I didn't think I could write historical fiction so Wilderness Wars was written before that and uh, it was actually uh, after Fur for Luck where I cared so much about a story that I thought I'm going to give it a go even if it's not you know what am I losing if it doesn't work out you know I really want to try it and then that, that was the one that got through so I suppose that gave me confidence to try another historical and another historical but the eco angle is never far away with my head uh, to be honest and uh, you know I'm a bit of a, a sort of eco warrior at heart and uh, I, I think that that sort of fiction will I'm sure make another appearance at some point uh, in my work. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's good to know. But uh, moving back onto the, the historical angle, and I know you said that you're not a stickler for, for research or you don't believe you are. I, I sort of, when I sort of heard the concept of the Chessman Thief, and obviously there's a lovely glossary in the back which tells you about the history. Where did the sort of the, the manifestation of the story come from? Because it's very much just this sort of like very obscure piece of sort of Scottish history, you know, even sort of uh, onto the sort of the Orkney Islands, even further removed from the sort of mainstream Scottish. So where mm. did that come from? 
So I actually, uh, ironically, first came across the Testament in London when I lived in London. And, uh, you know, they are one of the absolute star attractions in the British Museum. You know, imagine finding almost perfectly preserved Viking chess pieces made out of walrus ivory, you know, on a remote, remote beach on the Isle of Lewis, you know, Orkney Angle, I added in um, because I thought there was likelihood that they would have stopped off there. But on the Isle of Lewis, you know, it, it is a place that not many people are sort of just passing, you know, you have to make a real effort to go there. And I thought, gosh, in those days, things were different. That was a bit of a highway. You know, the Vikings would come over from Norway, they would travel past Orkney or Shetland, and they would they would then go to Ireland via the Western Isles. And, um, you know, so actually there was probably a lot more traffic on those places that we now consider remote and um, I was fascinated by that I was fascinated by the fact that we knew that these figures had been found in 1831 but we had no idea how they got there or where they came from or when exactly they were made when they first were found nobody knew this but they've done a bit of research since and I did some reading and uh, it turned out that you know we date them to the end of the 12th century and uh, that they probably originated in Norway because they've got some other work that's similar that they found in Trondheim and I thought right start in Trondheim second half of the 12th century what stuff is going on in the world you know crusades uh, the emergence of the Scottish warlord uh, Summerled in the Western Isles you know that sort of um, Norse culture versus Gallic culture kind of um, you know culture war uh, you know all the raiding is still going on but so are the crusades and, and the prayers and, and it's now officially a sort of Christianized kingdom you know the Norse kingdom so I find all of this really interesting and then I thought you know how on earth can I get a kid into that situation? And because child slaves were so uh, prominently, you know, kind of part of Viking culture, I thought that just made sense to me to have a child who was snatched from the Western Isles, wants to return. And when he finds out that there's a new sort of boss in the church scene who uh, is likely to make a journey uh, to, to take in that island where he came from, he really wants to go. But of course, he's got nothing. How is he going to earn his freedom or, or make his way? Um, you know, he, he can only really steal something valuable and what's at his fingertips, the chessman. Yeah, you mentioned the boy there. So Kylan's actual uh, sort of character itself, I found it really interesting because you wrote it from his POV, which was very nice because I do I do like first person POVs. Uh, where did Kylan's sort of character first come from? Obviously, you were sort of thinking about like, how can I get this boy into the narrative? How does he drive it and such like that? But I wondered if it was like, obviously, you wanted him to steal the chessman piece and you had the, the, the things going on inside your mind. Uh, where did Kylan come from? Is he inspired from some other sort of um, story or character icon that you admire? Probably not as such. I think he's a younger version of me, I guess. Um, you know, I like this idea of a character who's got quite a strong moral compass, um, but who doesn't always live up to it. So he grows up in a Christian culture, um, although, you know, a lot of the people around him are hypocrites, actually, you know, they don't really live that out. It's still a very violent culture. And um, so he's at the receiving end of some of this violence because he comes in a very, very, at the very bottom of the pecking order, if you like. Um, so I think from the beginning, I was rooting for him. I wanted him to find his own way. I wanted him to succeed. I wanted him to have an opportunity to return, maybe find uh, his family, his mother, and be re reunited. And um, so, yeah, I think all of that 
as motivations. I get all this. I get being motivated by family, motivated by having that right to choose your own destiny and not be told what to do by others. Um, uh, and that's where one of the taglines for the book comes from as well, be more than a pawn in someone else's game. You know, he wants that. He wants that chance to self-determine. Um, yeah, and I just I just love the chessmen. So this idea of actually using chess as a, a plot device in the book was was a bit of a no-brainer for me because my dad was a competitive chess player and he's not around anymore. So but there was never he was never far away from my head when I was writing this book. Um, so yeah, and the name, guess what, was actually chosen by school kids because I could not make up my, my mind about what I wanted to call this kid. So I researched and thought, right, which names were around on the Isle of Lewis in the 12th century? And I found three or four and I thought, oh, I like this one, but it's really hard to spell. Oh, I like this one, but school kids are probably going to, you know, not not take that one seriously and so on so I just kind of wrote a list and sent it to a handful of schools and just said help me <laughs> please help me uh help me choose a name and they came back with Kylan and I thought right that's the one I'm going to use so um and now I'm really glad because it rolls off the tongue quite easily and yesterday no yesterday the day before yesterday I had my first in-person school visit for ages and would you believe it one of the boys got up and said I'm called Kylan and I was like I didn't realize Thailand's still existed. So I thought I'd pick this absolutely ancient icon name and, and here I am standing in front of a real life Thailand. He was very shy. Um, but uh, yeah, in some ways it was just brilliant to see it full circle, to see a kid who was roughly that age with the name Thailand. Oh, I bet you made his year when he sort of opened up. It's just like, he's got my name. <laughs> um, but speaking of names, I wonder how much, because <laughs> obviously when we're deal, dealing with sort of um, the sort of Norse culture, there's a lot of names. Obviously, some of them are a little bit easier. Jarl Magnus is a little bit easier to, to deal with, um, but I'm not even going to try and pronounce some of them. How did you find dealing with, obviously, there's elements of Gaelic in here and Norse and, and you sort of, how are you sort of juggling all those different languages, trying to make it accessible, like you said, to kids so they don't just look at the word and go, ah, rah, pass. I think if it's me, I'm reading something and I go, oh, that's really hard to say. Then kind of I might spell it out in my head once and then the rest of the time I just sort of skip over it. And I felt that kids would do the same. So some of the names I couldn't negotiate because they were real people and I wanted them to be in the book. Sven Aslifson has a reputation. He's actually called Sven Aslifarsson, but in those times they quite often had different versions of names and spelled them differently. You know, even up to Shakespeare. Shakespeare spelled his name 16 different times, I think. It's different ways uh, on record so you know it was quite fluid and I thought right I'm going to simplify that to as life's and make that a little bit shorter and Sven's easy to say but Lord Lotolf uh, from the Western Isles um, you know that's quite a hard one to say but he was in the Orkneyinga saga a kind of Viking saga that's set at that time and uh, you know I really wanted to to borrow as much of the real stuff as I possibly could the Earl of Orkney at the time was called Ragnvald Coley Coulson and uh, so I, I just try to not say his name very often so I'd say his name once and then I'd go the Earl the Earl again uh, just to make it a little bit easier for a reader but uh, I actually love weaving a little bit of the real into the stories I think it makes it a wee bit more likely that the story wouldn't have the, the real truth would maybe not be a million million miles away from what I'm imagining and I find that uh, most people read the story as a story and then at the end of it find out oh there's quite a bit of it um you know that can be traced back to real events or real people um I, I find that that adds something 
for historical fiction to me anyway. Oh yeah, there's something nothing, nothing better than a good what if. What if this was how it happened, or the the sort of like the reimaginings of uh, sort of historical events? Because obviously, especially when you sort of go back to those times, there's no records, there's no there's no Instagram to post. You know, hey, take a quick pic, stealing these chess pieces. You know, there's none of that. So we will never know really. So I love the idea of taking right. We know these people were here, so you've got some like plot points where you're like, right, these people are going to be here, and then I guess Kylan's story can just sort of weave through this sort of like this wave of narr- narration, um, which was so well done, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I love the ending, and I think you're right; it really stepped up into Kylan's character, where he built up this sort of um, emotional plot beats where you got behind him. So I'm not going to give away the ending, but the ending was spot on, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, so speaking of ending the chessman there why don't we use that as a way to look forward into what you're working on now and what we can expect to come up in the future so i've been working on different projects this whole year actually it's been an interesting year because of course as a children's author i spent a lot of my time in schools and usually i get paid to do that and uh, so all of a sudden you know that whole income fell off a cliff and uh, so it was really interesting i got some funding to write an adult book called scottish by inclination which is about eu immigration so not so relevant to children's uh, book writing but i am also um you know i finished the first draft now of another victorian adventure about a boy who is terrified of heights and uh, is, is kind of forced to work on the construction of one of the most iconic bridges of the Victorian age, the Fourth Bridge. So he's uh, he's a rivet boy and he has to work at height and he has literally the nastiest villain I've ever invented, I think, as a foreman. So I'm really enjoying uh, just spending some time in that in that time. I'm actually terrified of heights myself. And uh, so I, I really relate to to this but I think the balance was you know how kind of front and forefront you would make that fear because nobody wants to read a book where somebody's in a perpetual state of paralysis by fear you know you want to have other things in there that drive the story forward and so he's also got on board with this brand new craze called autograph hunting which has never happened before but it's a craze from America he's been sent a blank book he doesn't know what to do with it at first because he's thinking what's the point in getting a book that doesn't have any words in it Um, but once he understands what it's for he realizes that actually working on the bridge is an opportunity too because lots of famous people uh, like Gustav Eiffel, for example, who who built the Eiffel Tower, visited the construction site, you know, lots of royalty came to see the bridge, Uh, writers, you know, designers, everybody had an opinion on this thing, uh, and lots of people came to see it. So therefore, you know, there's an opportunity to weave in some famous Victorians and to to give it a bit of a positive kind of cheery storyline too. Oh, that's such a cool idea. Again, taking that sort of like what ifs and the sort of, it's almost going behind it. Obviously you sort of think of like getting sort of an iconic bit of Victorian engineering. Okay, but what about the people who actually made this happen? Obviously you think about like, normally this the designer, it's like, um, who's the other famous one? Um, Isambard Kingdom Brunel. Obviously you think of him and he's the name. I don't think he built many of his bridges. He might've designed them, but was he there actually knocking in those rivets? I probably think not. So <laughs> yeah. um, really interesting behind that. And uh, I mean, if this if this villain is even more evil than uh, Sven. Sven. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's going to be very exciting then. Um, fantastic. Well, that's so much fun. So uh, is that uh, just being drafted at the moment? Then we're looking forward to that in the next year or so. 
I need to wait and see what my publishers think of it because that's how it works. Um, you know, you write the story that you want to, to tell and, uh, you know, with a bit of luck, they'll get on board with it and they'll like it. I hope so. Um, yeah, no, I've got some other um, projects on the go as well, some younger readers that I'm working on just to see where that takes me and uh, another adult project as well. I like actually the variety of it, but what I don't like is not being able to lose myself in one project for any length of time. And this poor Bridge book has definitely uh, suffered as a result of all the other bits and pieces that have come up, um, you know, along the, the way, um, like promoting the Chessman Thief as well. It's quite a lot of work, really, just to write lots of blog posts or articles for publication, just so that, it, you know, that book can get a little bit of a look in. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to have it a little bit freer so that I can devote all my time to just making that as good as it can get. Quite a bit of it is set in the brand new Carnegie Library, the first one ever. Uh, so in Dunfermline, very near the bridge, was the first place uh, to have a, a public library sponsored by Carnegie. And uh, so actually all that history is great because actually I'm writing an adventure, but I'm learning all the time. And I think those are the kind of books that I like writing best, where I just feel like I'm actually kind of going, oh, that's interesting. And chances are if I find it interesting enough, then hopefully a young reader may also find it interesting. That's my hope exactly and that's something again i really pick up i love i love historical fiction just to pick up the what i sort of like to call the pub facts just going oh i didn't know that <laughs> sort of bring that out there might be a pub quiz in the future where i am ready for you know um but that's fantastic i'm really glad to know that you're still you know getting lots of bits and pieces obviously very busy with the chessman thief and so uh, and taking the time out to chat to me today as well obviously thank you so so much for having me on the big kids book club it's brilliant thank you what a lovely podcast Oh, there's no problem. Right. Well, let's not go anywhere because we have quickly got to the end of the show. That's just flown by. But we're not going to let you go anywhere until we sort out a competition. Yes, competition time where one of you lovely listeners can get your hands on a signed copy of The Chessman Thief, which we've just been blabbing on about. If you do, obviously, with our quizzes, we uh, we try and give you something to do. So the quiz competition this week is going to be hashtag chess comp. So you need to hit us up on Twitter at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word with the hashtag chess comp. And the quiz question for today is, we want you to invent us a new chess piece. You can come up with the name, how it works and stuff like that. Obviously you have that small space on Twitter. Get creative, you know, tell us uh, a new piece that you create. Um, I've got a piece uh, I've, I would create, I would create something called the Archer, which you sort of like, you can move it around. It works like a pawn, but you can shoot stuff from far away and knock pieces off uh, without having to get up close and personal. And that's my personal one. Uh, Barbara, do you think, you, have you thought of, if you could create a cool new chess piece, would you? Uh, create- well, um, I think it's really interesting because chess originated in India. So, you know, hey, let's have an elephant. Uh, <gasps> would that not be cool? Uh, so yeah, ele- elephants, uh, maybe in, in, in place of the rooks, that would be really cool fun. Oh, that sounds so cool. Well, that's just our ideas. Can't go stealing them. They're ours. But how about some of your own? Hashtag chess comp at Big Kids Book Club and tell us what new chess piece you would invent. And you could get your hands on a signed copy of The Chessman Thief. How's that sound, Barbara? I think that sounds fantastic. And I think you should all get very creative. I can't wait to see the entries. I'm going to go on Twitter after this and have a look. Yeah, it's going to be very cool. Very cool. And this has been very cool. Uh, Barbara, unfortunately, we have rocketed our way straight to the end, but I'm not going to let you go completely yet because uh, I want uh, 
to leave the listeners a way of getting in touch with you more if they want to know more about Chessman Thief or some of those other lovely books we were talking about. So do you have a social media or a website they can go to? Absolutely. So my website is www.barbarahenderson.co.uk. Um, so the Barbara Henderson is all one word. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Scatty Scribbler. So that is just one word, Scatty as in disorganized, Scribbler as in writer, because uh, that pretty much sums me up. But I'm also on Facebook as Barbara Henderson Writer. So uh, you can have a look and get in touch all of there. Uh, I'm on all the time. So uh, if you have any questions as a result of this or want to know anything about school visits or the teaching resources that come free with my books and all of that stuff, then uh, just shout and I will be in touch like a flash. Fantastic. Well, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Barbara. Brilliant. Thank you, Mark. It's lovely to uh, to chat to you. I'd never met him before, but he's very nice, everybody. <laughs> there you go. I've got my own little promo. And to you, lovely listeners, thank you for sticking around. We hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, most importantly, remember to keep safe, to take care, but most importantly, to keep on reading. <laughs>